BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome to With Wit. This episode I have for you today is about how we can live the good life we are all striving for. Robert Waldinger is a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, director of the Harvard Study of Adult Development at Massachusetts General Hospital, and co-founder of the Lifespan Research Foundation. He is also a Zen master who teaches meditation in New England and worldwide. The Harvard Study of adult development is the longest scientific study of happiness ever conducted. Radical for its time in 1938, the first of its kind study that boasts JFK as a participant is in its 84th year, going strong with an 84% retention rate. After learning so much from the study, Dr. Waldinger wrote his book, The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. In it, he and his co-author answer what makes life fulfilling and meaningful, relationships. We discuss the Harvard study, tips for forming relationships, social fitness, being social when you're an introvert, me, examining your needs, and so much more. Here is Dr. Waldinger. Hi. Hi, Dr. Waldinger. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so appreciative of your time today. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you found yourself directing the Harvard study of adult development? Okay. Right into it. So yeah. So my background, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. I When I went to college, I majored in history and loved studying history and particularly studying why people did the things they did. So it's probably not a surprise that when I went to medical school, I ended up becoming a psychiatrist because I get to learn every day about why people do what they do and how they think and feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my job as a psychiatrist is primarily doing psychotherapy. I use medication, but mostly I'm a therapist. And I wanted to learn to do research. And when I did that, I was particularly interested in psychological and social research as opposed to biological research. And there were very few 
psychiatrists who did that kind of research. But my predecessor, the third director of this study, was a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst. And he found out about me and asked me if I wanted to join him in taking over this longitudinal study that had been going for so many years, since 1938. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I got into it. He lectured to my medical school class, actually. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. So that's how I got into it. That's amazing. Okay. So then what is the Harvard study of adult development? Okay. It is, as far as we know, the longest study of adult life that's ever been done. The longest study of the same people, 724 families started in 1938 with two studies at Harvard that didn't even know about each other. One was a study of Harvard college sophomores, 19 Mm -hmm. year olds who were thought by their deans as fine, upstanding young men. So they were chosen for a study of normal development from adolescence to young adulthood. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we smile because if you want to study normal development, you study all white men from Harvard, like no way. But at that time, (laughs) that's what they did. So 268 of them. John F. Kennedy was one of them. That's so crazy. I read that. Yeah. Ben Bradley, who was a longtime editor of the Washington Post. So that was one study. Mm-hmm. 268 19-year-olds from Harvard. And the other was a study of juvenile delinquency in the city of Boston, also begun in 1938. It was started because a law professor and a social worker, they were married, the Glucks, were interested in how some children from really disadvantaged backgrounds managed to stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up following the boys, they were all middle schoolers when they came into the study, who stayed out of trouble and stayed on good developmental paths. And then eventually we brought in all the spouses and then we brought in all the children, more than half of whom are female. So now we have Mm -hmm. good gender balance. Okay. So you studied them in what ways and then what conclusions have been made? I mean, I'm sure so many, but like this is such an enormous study. Yeah. Well, we studied the big things about life. We studied mental health, physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, For the Harvard men, we studied their World War II experiences. Mm -hmm. We studied work life. We studied relationships. We eventually studied aging and retirement as people got older. And we studied it in all different ways. So first, Mm -hmm. it was interviews, interviews with the young men, interviews with Mm -hmm. their parents. They went to their homes. Mm-hmm. talk to their parents, medical exams. But then eventually we began to audio tape and videotape them. And eventually we drew blood for DNA and mm-hmm. brought them into our lab and deliberately stressed them out and saw how quickly they calmed down. Mm-hmm. And we put them into MRI scanners and watched how their brains lit up as we showed mm-hmm. them different kinds of images. So we used new methods to study the same big things about life all the way through. Got it. That makes so much sense. So then you go on to write The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. What would you say are some of the most common misconceptions about happiness and achieving a good life? I think that just to give you a little bit of context here on this podcast and everyone who comes here wanting to live the best version of their life and they come here for tips or mantras or 
you know, ways for us to lead like our wholest, fullest, big, you know, happiest lives. And it's hard because you hear so many different things, but I was so excited to talk to you because you're someone that I respect so much and you've worked so for so long in this field. Oh yeah. Well, the most common ones are really familiar there that if I get rich, I'll be happy. If I become famous, I'll be happy. If I achieve a whole lot in my work life, I'll be happy. And it turns out that's not true. None of those things make you happy. Now, doing work that's meaningful to you makes you happy. Getting your basic financial needs makes us happy. Mm-hmm. So that means having enough shelter, food, you know, being able to raise a good family and get health care and all that. That matters. But once you get beyond, they estimate $7,500,000 a year in annual mm-hmm. income for your household, mm-hmm. you don't get much happier when you make. million a year. So people who say, gee, I'll finally be happy when I'm rich, doesn't work out that way. It's so crazy. It feels like people even aren't even trying to be successful for the money anymore. It's more just to say that they're successful. And it that even that in and of itself doesn't even make them happy either. Mm -mm. No, because I mean, fame is really weird. It's, you know, being able to boast about something, it's just like having some badge of achievement and and fame is having a bunch of people know your name, but really not know you at all. And so it's totally very lonely. For sure. I mean, I achieved a little bit of fame. I was on a TV show on a reality show, though, and I was able to hold my composure and I came out of it really well. And I was able to build a whole career based on fashion and wellness and mom life. And I would, I don't regret it for a second, but I have dealt with a little bit of imposter syndrome from it based on success that has come because of the show. And I'm like, but am I really responsible for this success? Or is it just based on this person that people believe that I am on this TV show? So I totally get that. The fame is not what has made me the happiest at all in reflecting in my life as now a 38-year-old. It's it's my relationship with my husband and my child. <laughs> okay, you just pre- yeah. you just demonstrated what our study has shown, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, we had some really famous, really rich people and people who had won the Nobel Prize and those weren't the things they talked about as making them happy. It was always about their relationships with other people always. So why do why do we just keep getting it wrong? Why are we just con, con, continually on this rat race and and yeah, like working towards the wrong things? Well, partly we get all these messages from our culture. Our culture, uh-huh. you know, think about all the ads you see every day mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. say buy this and you'll be happy. You know, serve this brand of pasta at your dinners and your family dinners will be blissful. And your family will love you, right? I mean, they, and and we we can sort of see through those messages, and yet at the same time, we sort of can't. And, right. and social media does this for sure, right? We we watch each other's curated lives. Like I don't post pictures of myself when I wake up depressed. I only <laughs> post my you know my happy times, like on a nice vacation, right? So even though we know that's true, we look at other people's curated lives and we say, well. I'm the only one who has ups and downs in my life. I'm the only one mm-hmm. who doesn't have it all figured out. You know, people might have looked at you and said, oh, she's got it all figured out. And she was on a TV show and now she's got this podcast. 
but you still have a life every day. And some yeah. days your family drives you crazy. And some days you're not happy, I hope. I mean, I deal with this all the time. For me, what's weird with my relationship with social media and me emotionally is that I feel like I want to share when something is not going right, because that's what I feel is what people need to hear and what feel yes. what is more relatable and what makes people feel less alone. So I, I when I'm feeling down or whatever it is that's going on, that's when I share. And then I start to be like, oh, I'm just this like depressing social media personality. Like I need to lift, like lighten it up a little bit, show some fashion, show some light stuff. And then I try to compensate for for that other part of me. But it's it's interesting how that has happened with me. Like I don't have any sort of motivation to just show that everyday light stuff. I really just want to share like the meaningful stuff. But and I bet I, that's why people yeah. want to listen to your podcast because hmm. it's because it's real, right? It's mm-hmm. not it's not you having a an all happy, bright and shiny life. It's not. I mean, I woke up on Sunday feeling like so fatigued, and then for the last four days, just felt so exhausted. Didn't know what it was like. Was it my period coming? Did I have COVID? Was I, you know, did I have something for my son? Like the spiral went on and went on. And I, I posted about this, like feeling of gray that I felt too lately and how I need to take some control. And because only I have control of my happiness and my life, no one else can do it for me. And so I posted that. And even that yesterday, people were like, oh, my God, this was like exactly what I needed to hear. I'm feeling the same way, too. And then that made me feel so much better because I was just alone in my head up until that. You talk about social fitness a lot. And that's hard for me because I am very an internal person. I'm a homebody. I'm a little bit of a I guess you would call like an extroverted introvert. I have a hard time motivating to get out. And I have a little bit of a, like a depressive quality in me too. But I know that so much about our happiness is about our relationships, is about connecting, is about getting out. I'm curious to hear your feedback about social fitness and finding that healthy level of social fitness, depending on your comfort with being social. Well, if that makes sense. Th- yes, it makes total sense. And what you yeah. said is exactly what, I would say that we we understand that that everybody differs in how much social connection they need. Mm-hmm. And and actually, you know, if if you're somewhat of an introvert, then a lot of people can be exhausting mm-hmm. and stressful, right? And so that's that's not a good thing. Whereas for extroverts, they get more energy from people. They like having a lot of people around. That's fine. But there's nothing healthier about being an extrovert than about being an introvert. It's just making sure you have the amount that you need. So if you're feeling like you have what you need in your life in terms of social connection, mm-hmm. you've got what you need. There, there's no set amount. There's no ideal amount. I know. I'm. What the, the next question I want to ask is like, how do you know if you have what you need? <laughs> ah, well, no, it's, it's a great question. It's a great question. I think uh-huh. it's really, do I yearn for more? Mm-hmm. A lot of the time. I mean, maybe sometimes you do, but much of the time, are you pretty content? I've got enough. You know, I've got my family. I've got a few friends, whatever. 
if that feels like enough, most of the time, that's enough. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself yearning over and over again for more connection, then it's time to think about, okay, how could I get more connection? Mm -hmm. What it feels like for me, at least for my age and what's happening in my life with a kid and kind of a big life right now, it feels like there's so many people around me, but it's more like quantity than quality. Like I don't have quality relationships with any, not, I wouldn't say any of them, but with a a lot of them, but I have, there's just like so many and that just feels overwhelming for me. Right. Well, and, and, in that respect, what you want to do is really nurture those relationships that feel Give like energy. Of important quality and that they're mm-hmm. nourishing, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there are lots of relationships where it's just transactional. Mm-hmm. You're doing things for them. They're doing things for you, right? And that's right. okay. We need right. those relationships. But that's different from the people who we can really rely on. Right. For, during hard times. Yeah, it's so true. And now a word from our sponsor. If you are struggling with your skin, I can tell you that Clear Stem skincare is a game changer. Based on over eight years of clinical research from San Diego Acne Clinic, Clear Stem is a complete skincare solution that is anti-aging, anti-acne, and non-toxic all at the same time. Their hormonal acne supplement, Mind Body Skin, is a revolutionary new way to control acne at its source. It is the best natural alternative to Accutane, and there's a reason why so many people are singing its praises. Mind Body Skin simultaneously targets oil, digestion, detoxification, stress, PMS, and hormones. You'll see results in just seven days. Formulated by the acne guru, Daniel Gronick, ClearStem products combine all three skincare categories. I know how huge it can be to feel comfortable walking out of the house without makeup and adding ClearStem products to my skincare routine has really made my skin noticeably smoother, softer, and brighter. I used the bounce back serum yesterday, traveling without anything else, maybe just a moisturizer on top. And I felt like clean and glowy and bright and smooth. Just feels good. Check out their incredible range of products made with ingredients that will heal your skin from within at clearstemskincare.com and use code WITHWIT for 15% off your order. That's clearstemskincare.com with code WITHWIT for 15% off. And if you haven't listened to my podcast episode with the Clearstem founders, you must. They are a wealth of knowledge with everything skincare and they have so many great tips and tidbits and they're just such pros. So anyways, clearstemskincare.com code with wit for 15% off. Relationships are hard and that's why I'm here. Hey friend, it's Cammie Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Okay, back to the chat. So in, in speaking about relationships, I feel like 
once you get into your 30s, a lot of people start to do a little bit of reflection on their childhood because they're out of their childhood. And so they're able to see it with a different view. And it can be hard sometimes to like remember things or unwrap things or try to figure out if certain things were healthy or if you're remembering them correctly. And I know that you've you obviously in the study dissected these these people from childhood up until adulthood. So how can we dissect our childhood experiences and how they influence our adult relationships or how we view relationships? Well, that's actually the kind of therapy I do. So (laughs) people come to me, you know, with problems and sometimes those problems are really helped by understanding, oh, this is what I came to expect from life and from other people based Mm -hmm. on my past, Mm -hmm. right? And so, but often we don't know that because when you grow up in a certain family, for example, with a certain set of childhood experiences, it's like the air you breathe. Well, this is life, right? Right. It's only when you get older that you can look around and say, oh, it it wouldn't have had to be this way. It could have been many other ways, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there are many ways that that process can happen as we look back on our childhoods, but sometimes it can, it happens in, in psychotherapy and that's the Mm -hmm. kind of therapy I do. And Mm -hmm. it often can help people get unstuck. For example, people who repeatedly choose the wrong romantic partners. Mm -hmm because they're doing something that feels familiar, but doesn't work out. Right. And they begin to learn, oh, because this is what it was like for me as a kid. It's so true because you, for so long, you live like with this tunnel vision. This is how life is. This is how I should be treated. Like this is the way that life is. And then all of a sudden you're out of that. The world opens up and you, you're hopefully, able to connect with someone like you that's able to reveal how healthy relationships actually should look. So do you have any like basic, basic tips? I know these are like huge conversations and I don't want to be so general, general, but any basic tips do you have for forming healthy relationships from the get-go? Yeah. I mean, what we find, for example, is that there are a few characteristics that really make for good relationships. Mm -hmm. So one is mutuality. One is really give and take. You know, there are some relationships where one person does all the giving and one person does all the taking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That can be both kind of literal, but it could also be psychological. Like one person does all the talking and wants the other person to listen and the other person never gets to talk about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. That can be a very depleting relationship for the listener, right? Mm-hmm. So so a relationship that's more mutual often lasts longer and is more satisfying to both right. parties. Right. But there's really give and take. A relationship where both people stay curious about each other, stay interested in each other, that I don't just stereotype you and say, okay, I know you, I know what you're going to say, I know what you're going to do, but I really remain open to noticing, mm-hmm. like, how are you showing up today? And mm-hmm. what's going on? Right. And then another thing we find is that the the strongest relationships are where people really accept that the each each of you is going to change over time. So if you think about it, you know, when you got married or you're mm-hmm. married, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Like, 
Are you exactly the same person you were when you got married? Definitely not. Definitely not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't know who you were going to become. Right, right. You didn't know who your partner was going to become, right? So a lot of it is staying open to, okay, who are you becoming now? And can I accept that and maybe even support it? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, to, well, to add on to that, I would also say that that you should be open to changing, in the relationship that that Timmy and I are always like, sometimes we look at our parents and we're like, oh, they're never going to change. We can't expect them. We can't expect that from them. But with each other, we expect each other to be constantly reflecting and communicating and working and changing in order to become better versions of ourselves. So I think that that change can go in both ways, right? It's like, yes, accepting the new person I, I become, but also being open to, to evolving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also not trying to change other people. Right. Because that's the right. other thing. You know, right. often we spend a lot of time wishing that other people were different. Right. How well does that work out? Right? No. No. So. Wishful so, thinking. Yeah. 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 A lot of it is kind of accepting. So often we think about that with parents. I'm sure my kids think, you know, they're never going to change. Right. Mm-hmm. But, and I remember thinking that about my parents, but there's a certain point at which we do have to accept, okay, this person is who they are. So, so that's also the flip side of noticing and accepting change. And right. 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 Change ourselves, but also right. saying, I'm not my, you're not going to be my project. Right. And so those are, those are all kind of some of the qualities we notice that make for healthier and more stable relationships. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, it's, it's so important. I mean, relationships, not only romantically, friendships, whatever kind of rela- work relationships, like I think that the way that you communicate and that there is mutual respect is, is so important mm-hmm. as well. So we talked a little bit about like the lonely loneliness and uh, about me like feeling like a little bit of a an introvert and i i liked what you said about not labeling it though just because the extrovert gets more energy from a lot of people that doesn't mean that the introvert because they don't that that's like a negative thing which i really right. need to like absorb right. and take in cuz sometimes i look at it as like oh i'm not like a people person then you know and and then that makes me feel no. bad about myself but how can loneliness creep in even when we are surrounded by like family and lists of friends? Cause like that, that I feel like is sometimes what I feel, even though I'm not, I don't yearn for the connection. Like I don't, I don't need to reach out to anybody, but I still feel like uh, I'm in this alone kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think what what we all want is to feel seen. Yes. we want to feel like somebody gets me. Somebody knows me. Somebody knows what it's like to go through my day, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, know, you just want to know somebody gets what's going on. With me. And you can see how, boy, if you're like a couple raising kids, you could end up just being a tag team and, and like gradually just lose touch with that. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you don't know what each other's days are like. You don't know what each of you is concerned about or thinking about a lot, right? And then you can you can devolve into this kind of loneliness where you just don't feel like anybody sees you mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's and it often isn't because anybody is out to be mean to anybody else or they're, you know, it's that it's just out of accidental neglect. Like really mm-hmm. good relationships 
can get neglected because you have so many other demands on your time. Yeah, that makes sense. In terms of loneliness, like what to do when you start feeling this loneliness, when you start feeling like you haven't had those connections or like no one is really seeing you, like what what would be the first step to take? Well, a first step would be to see who you've got in your life and who who's already in your life, who you might be able to cultivate in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could do more to see someone regularly who you care about and who you feel like they have the potential to really care about you and to Mm -hmm. see you more and to spend more time with you. Mm -hmm. And so what what you could do is start there and and start reaching out to that person, you know, just with a little text saying, hi, I was just thinking of you, just wanted to connect, you know, or an email or, you know, or call them on the phone and just suggest going for a walk or, you know, having coffee or just something. Right. 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 Doesn't have to be big. That's so true. I know. It's just like these little simple things. Like we think it needs to be this whole new life plan that we need to make every time we feel like disconnected, but it can just be like these little teeny steps. Yeah. Yeah. That's what in in the book, we, we coined this phrase that we call social fitness and it, and it was meant to be analogous with physical fitness. Cause if you think about physical fitness, like if you go work out today, you don't come home and say, good, I'm done. I never have to do right. it again. Right, 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 right. It's like a practice. <laughs> right. It's like something you do regularly. Well, what if you did that with social fitness, right? What if you just said, okay, a couple of times a week, I'm going to text a friend or I'm going to make sure I have a phone call with this friend yeah. every week for just five minutes or 10 yeah. minutes just yeah. to check in on our lives. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to see somebody, I'm going to have a, a walk with somebody once a month, no matter what, right? Again, doesn't have to be huge, but if you do that regularly with just a few people, then those people are current in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will mean just as much to them as it will to you. Oh, people love it. Like, yeah. it's, it's, let me just give your listeners a challenge. Yes. So when you're done with this podcast, right? <laughs> think of somebody now who you miss or you'd like to see more of and just send them a text send them an email just saying, hi, just thinking of you and wanted to connect. That's all you have to say. Yeah. And then just see what comes back to you. So sometimes, you know, sometimes people won't respond because maybe they're not in a good place or whatever, but more often than not. Oh my God. I was just thinking. So So sometimes (laughs) I do this when I give talks, like I'll give, I'll give a talk in front of an audience Uh and I'll say, okay, here's the challenge. And I'll give them that challenge. Just Right now, pull out your phone, text someone or send them an email. And then during the question and answer, I say, did anybody get anything back? Yeah. Oh, all these hands shoot up and say, (gasps) oh my my gosh, my friend was so glad to hear from me. And right. That's so amazing. That's so great. What would you say is like your most frequently asked question? (laughs) One is, is it possible to always be happy? And no. And right, thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, it's not. No human being on the planet is always happy. No, so, yeah, you know. But it's easy when we look at other people's Instagram feeds for say, people to oh, think that. Yeah, for people to think that. So I just want to name it just the way you did. No, yeah, I'm yeah, possibly happy all the time. Yeah, and it's not like if you just do all the right things, you can get to a point where you're happy all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just not the truth of being alive. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do people ask? They ask, do I need to have a partner, a romantic partner in order to be happy? Absolutely not. No, 
all the benefits that we're talking about, including health benefits that come from good relationships, don't have to be, you don't have to live with someone. Mm-mm. You don't have to be romantically involved with somebody. Warm relationships with friends, with family, all of that counts. So now that we kind of know what influences a good life, how can we actually get there? What are some of the first steps that we can take to get there? Well, the first step is to just do a little check-in about what you have in your life, like which, what kind of relationships do you have? Okay. What would you like more of? What would you like less of? Mm-hmm. What would you like to work on? You know, so first, it's highly individual. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've been saying. Right, so, right. Like, do, do I have enough of what I need? And if not, what would I like more of? Would I like mm-hmm. more fun? More relationships where I have fun. Would I like more relationships where there's someone I can confide in? Mm-hmm. Right? Or someone I can play sports with? It could mm-hmm, be any. Mm-hmm. Um, and then think, okay, could I, could I make a relationship I already have more vibrant by doing more of that with someone? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or could I find new relationships? And then finding new relationships, one way to do that is to do things you care about or things you enjoy and do them alongside other people. Mm-hmm. So could be volunteering for something, could be joining a gardening club, mm-hmm. could be joining a bicycle team. It could be, it could be anything. Right, could, right, right. You know? No, I love that. Right. Because what they find is that if you, if you're doing something you care about alongside other people who care about the same thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a natural place to start conversation. Totally. That makes so much sense. So if your readers and my listeners could walk away with one piece of information today, what would you want it to be? Take care of your relationships actively and don't worry that it doesn't always work out because it won't always work out. Mm-hmm. Think of it more like, getting up to bat in baseball, <laughs> you know, that you're not going to hit the ball every time, mm-hmm. that someone's not going to reciprocate warmly every time, mm-hmm. but way more often than not, people are going to be really happy that you're reaching out, that you're trying to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love that. Dr. Waldinger, thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this with me today. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Of course. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.